Into the wild I'll go and into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Into the wild I'll go Into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom I'm excited to share that the Blood Mystery School is open for enrollment. This is a -a one-of-a-kind, comprehensive education that blends the sacred and the science of the seasons of womanhood. It's the education that most women don't receive and that all of us deserve. It's led by two powerful medicine women, my dear friends, Nancy Lucina and Kristen Hauser, who have 30 years of combined wisdom and knowledge that they have poured into this program. This is not your basic fertility awareness program. This school provides you with the tools to heal yourself, practices to embody your womb wisdom, and opportunities to practice sharing your unique voice. We leave no stone unturned, including technical teachings about our hormones, herbal wisdom, the archetypal energies of our cycle, tools for leading women's groups and ceremonies, and so much more. Doors are open now to the Blood Mysteries School, but spots are limited and we sold out last time. If you dream of being the medicine woman of your community, come join us in the Blood Mysteries School. Today on the show, I invite back for the fifth time, the brilliant Kristen Hauser. Kristen, the co-leader of the Blood Mystery School, a womb and sexual health educator and an experienced free birthing mom and good friend of mine, brings the story of her third birth at home, surrounded by family. She tells of the joyful emergence of her son, her daughter's excited response, and the healing power of being witnessed by her own mother. Kristen recalls the ease she felt through postpartum crediting it to her experience as a third-time mom and how she drew upon her knowledge of women's sacred times, having the tools to support herself. Kristen speaks to the alchemy of her own womb healing journey and how it shapes her current practice as a women's health coach, a mother, and a leader within her community. The Blood Mysteries School that Kristen facilitates with Nancy Lucina is open for enrollment now. Hello, Kristen. Hi, Emily. We're back again. Again, yeah. I think this is like the fourth or fifth time I've been on the podcast, which is exciting. That is exciting. Yeah, I feel like you're <laughs> you're on almost every season. And so if you are new to Kristen Hauser, go ahead and check out all the other ones. We'll make mm-hmm. we'll put in the show notes all your different stories and and um 
it's not just your birth stories that are on the podcast. So happy to have you today because we birthed very close to each other and that's normal. And we're here to hear your latest free birth story of your son. And we're also celebrating the, um, the doors being open to enrollment for our program that free birth mm-hmm. society sells that you and Nancy teach the blood mystery school. So we're going to get into kind of how those are woven together, how you mm-hmm. showing up in the world as this, um, incredible guide for other women has, um, become possible, right. From this path that you've walked and how free birth, we're going to talk about how free birth, um, yeah. Melts into all of that. Yeah. I'm excited. And I'm, I know I was just so I'm like thinking back on this birth and that we were so close together. I think it was like a week or less, maybe you had your baby, like right after I had mine and we both had boys and there were other boys born in the community so many around boys. that time too. The whole crew <laughs> was boys. That was crazy. Yeah. Well, you were mid-September. Um, my birth was September 27th and I think what yours oh. was like October. Yeah. Something. Okay. It was October 3rd. So yes, yeah. I remember texting you and being like, we are the last women standing. We're the last ones to go. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Awesome. Well, so I don't know, where, where should we start? Do you want to give some, well, some context of, yeah. of who you are and the work you do? Yeah. So I think like what's it, what's interesting to start with is like the way I arrived at free birth and how free birth has like been such an easy decision for me is because of sort of the the muck and the shit that I went through um, around my womb and hormone health prior to even conception. So I kind of feel like my babies have been guiding me like throughout this process, like way back, you know, like how? several probably at least 20, like 20 or even younger than 20. Um, cause that's when I started kind of having a lot of issues with period pain and, um, also like this kind of spiritual identity crisis and started sort of discovering a lot of the tools that I use today, like in, in the work that I do with women Um, but it was through that process that like, I started peeling back the layers and sort of removing myself from the modern medical paradigm. Right. So it's like, I had menstrual pain and what do they offer for that? It's like an immediate, well, you can take birth control or prescription pain meds or both. And like, that's it. Yeah. Fall down the hatch and see what happens. (laughs) Yeah. Just matter. (laughs) So I knew that I didn't want to do that. And I was like, okay, this, like this entire model and system and way of relating to the body, like it just doesn't make sense. And I didn't find it useful. So then I had to find other solutions. So I think the fact that I had already started sort of like removing myself from that whole matrix of, um, pathologizing the body and thinking that something external is going to be what resolves an issue for you since I had done some of that work, it was like, well, why would I go to that system for like a normal process and that being pregnancy, right? Like, why would I even engage with that model of care? So when you, when they suggested the birth control and the other pharmaceuticals, you didn't even try it. You just already knew it was a no for you. 
No. So I didn't try the pain. The pain medication was an immediate no for me, but I, um, I did try the hormonal birth control. I didn't even make it a month. Like on, I, I think I took the pill like five times and I was like, no, this is not going to work for me. And then I used the, um, Nuva ring, which is terrible. You should never use it, but I did for like six months. And then I was like, I got that sort of flat affect that a lot of women will describe around hormonal contraceptives is like, I just didn't feel like anything. <laughs> I just well, kind of felt like flat or just it's like not exactly a lot of emotional they, changes. It's exactly it's, how they want us. Yeah. Exactly. You know, <laughs> like just be the same every day and don't cause any problems oh, and don't reproduce because it's, there's overpopulation and yeah. anyways. So yeah, that didn't last long either. Unfortunately, I was not on any contraceptives when I met my husband, which I'm super grateful for. Um, but yeah, that was, I just, it wasn't for me. And I kind of have like the leg up that I grew up in a family that was open to alternative medicine and my dad's a chiropractor. So, um, I didn't receive vaccinations as a kid. Like we didn't get antibiotics that often. I mean, maybe once or twice, but like that was a really rare occasion. Mm -hmm. So I kind of already had some ideas about that. And then going through that whole initiation around specific women's issues, like women's health issues was like kind of the last push out of that paradigm. And so, yeah, it was just easy for me to arrive eventually at free birth. And you can listen to my other stories because my first story was not really a free birth. Um, but my set, my last two births were. So I know this isn't necessarily what we're here to talk about, but now I want to know, like, just to finish that story around in your twenties with the painful periods and turning away from the system that didn't actually offer you anything like, okay, so you try the NuvaRing, you get rid of that. And then how do you not that it's necessarily a simple answer, but like, how do you, who, who do you become that you fix the pain of your periods and, and become this, um, holistic? Yeah. I mean, it was just step-by-step. Step. It was like, okay, well, um, if that's not what I'm going to do, but like, I don't want to live with this pain that I was having every, every cycle, literally like really debilitating pain. And I just started learning. Like I just, um, read a lot of books. I, um, changed my lifestyle. I made like dietary changes, like got into gut healing. I mean, I eventually went to school for, to study Chinese medicine. So it was just like layers that I kind of had to move through and it wasn't overnight, obviously, like it took time. And there was this whole sort of undercurrent of exploring my own relationship to just being a woman and how, what that was like for me and where I had had some ruptures, um, in my teens, like around my relationship with my mother and sort of excavating some of that pain. And I started to see some benefits just like over time. So it was a long process. I would say like five plus years to to like really feel like it shifted. And I was like settled in that new platform of okayness or like that new reality of not having to live with that pain. And you did get out of having hard cycles. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, 
like I said, it was just like an incremental changes, but it was like consistently getting better until it was resolved. So yeah, women can go back and listen to your, your previous journeys, but for anyone who is brand new and just hearing you for the first time, I mean, give us a little bit of an overview yeah. of who you are as you become a mother and kind of, kind of, you know, in a short way, catch yeah. us up too. <laughs> I can catch you up. So I'm on my, this is my third baby. So um, going into my first birth, it was a conscious conception and I had, um, I was finished with my acupuncture degree and I was like working as an acupuncturist, like working with a lot of women one-on-one and we were ready and, um, welcome that baby in. And I got, I conceived really quickly, um, had a fairly, uh, easy pregnancy. And it wasn't really until the end of that pregnancy that I started considering free birth because of the regulations placed on midwifery. And I was living in California at the time. And so that was like my first taste of, well, I guess I could do this alone if I was there a needed specific, to. Um, was there a specific regulation that you came up against that you were like, wait, I don't like that? Well, I didn't come up against them, but I was, they were in my awareness because I had done some birth work um, prior to that. So I was a birth doula for a while around that period of time. And so I knew, okay, I hired this licensed midwife. If I birth before 37 weeks, like she can't come. If it's after 42, she won't be there. If it's like water's open for more than 24 hours, there's going to be interventions and, and all those things I was not comfortable with. And I was like, well, I don't necessarily want to be alone as a first time mom. And I'm not willing to go to the hospital for X, Y, or Z. And I don't want midwifery interventions either, you know? So it's like, I didn't want to like take castor oil or do all these other things that like we, we've become accustomed to midwives doing. Um, so it put me in a tricky position. Not, I mean, it was good. And that, like, I kind of went through that initiation and arrived at the end of my pregnancy and was like, what, you know, I'm fine. If I come up against one of those regulations, I wasn't concerned about it because I was so resolved internally that like, I was not going, if, if that meant my midwife couldn't come, then I would birth alone or with my husband. Gotcha. Ooh, that yeah. is risky business. <laughs> you know, that's risky business. Obviously you, you did and could, and, and knew yourself to be able to handle that. But the like other side of that is yeah. Navigating potential abandonment is so such an intense thing to play out in real time. It, it like, it didn't happen. Yeah. For you. It didn't it happen for me, but for if you. it had, yeah. Oof. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I remember. So this was I wasn't abandoned um, yeah, because my birth was quick and my midwife was only there for like the last 30 minutes and he came out and yeah. So you can listen to that story. And then my second birth um, was about two years later and going into that pregnancy, I kind of just knew like that I was going to have a free birth and yeah. And that was that, um, it was, it was, and, did. <laughs> and I did. And yeah. And now she's almost four. So, wow. Yeah. And so then you move and catch us up from, yeah. So now to this pregnancy. Yeah. So, um, I got pregnant with my third when my daughter was like, oh, just over two and a half. 
and we um we relocated during that pregnancy so that and that happened like in my third trimester like during my son's pregnancy my most recent one Whoa, and I now didn't realize you moved that late in your pregnancy yeah because it wow. was yeah I was like 30 I think I was about 32 or 33 weeks at the time um it was definitely like pushing the mm-hmm. the limit but it yeah it was also it was also like a good time to move. And I sort of like, I had an in-person practice in California that I transitioned to another practitioner and it gave me a little more time, like in flexibility leading up to this birth, which was nice, but it was a big undertaking to move obviously during, during a third trimester with two younger kids and all of it's that. Not, and you also didn't move down the street. You moved. Across no, the- I moved from California to Kansas. So yeah. yeah, it was a big move. Okay. So how is this pregnancy for you? And, you know, let's just kind of get into to the pregnancy for a little bit now. Like what, what were, what were the lessons of this pregnancy for you? the big takeaways Mm. in retrospect now? Yeah, I think, um, I had like, I had, I, I kind of went into the pregnancy and I had just, we had just like my husband and I had just kind of started talking about like, well, are we going to expand our family or like, what are, what's our plan? Um, and then my son just like, was like, yeah, you are like, I'm coming now. So surprise you're I'm here and um but we were really excited about it and I I don't know I just had like a a pretty easeful pregnancy like I didn't it was just kind of living my life and of course there are little things here and there like I'm sure I was tired sometimes and certain things but generally speaking for me I I feel like my, my overall vitality increases during pregnancy. And I know that's not the case for everyone, but it does feel like a real palpable thing for me personally. And I think that was maybe one of my big takeaways from this pregnancy is just like pregnancy is such a state of like vital life force. And in the Chinese medicine tradition, we consider pregnancy to be like a state of excess because you have more blood, more water, like you have all this, like all these hormones. So it is kind of this abundance of energy, um, moving through your system. It doesn't always arrive or feel that way. I know like fatigue is a very common experience in pregnancy and obviously like digestive stuff or morning sickness. Um, but I think generally speaking, it really can be like such a big expression of life force energy. And I definitely feel like I, experienced that with this pregnancy. I think part of what helped that helped with that was like, I was a little bit, I had more space between these last two pregnancies than I did with my first two. So I got pregnant with my daughter, which is my second when my son was 14 months old. And it was just like too quick for me personally. So I think for everyone, for everyone (laughs) physiologically, I would say, Yes. Um, yeah. So it was just kind of intense and it felt really good to like be pregnant again and have my kids be a little bit older and like, just have more kind of space for myself during the pregnancy. Cause like, I didn't have a toddler or like a small, smallish baby. 
Okay, so anything else about your pregnancy or it just was pretty integrated, pretty straightforward? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like with my last two pregnancies, it's been like just part of my life and I didn't um, have like any type of traditional prenatal care in my last two pregnancies. I probably, I think I listened with the fetoscope like once in my last pregnancy, like that was, that was that. Um, but I did really enjoy, like we had, I had a great village prenatal community when I was in San Diego and we would meet every month and that felt like super nourishing. And we would just like sing songs and eat together and talk about what was up for all of us. And that was really, really sweet. I really loved that. And did you attend sisters at the festival? And I did attend sister morning stars at the festival. And that was like a really sweet way to like honor myself during pregnancy and just like welcome this little baby in. Um, so yeah, there were definitely like high points like those, but otherwise I was just sort of going about my normal life. Yeah. I'm wondering too, how much of, you know, it being so integrated and easeful for you, you know, yeah, has to do with how much you know about or how much you utilize your knowledge of all this women's health I guess because where, where I'm yeah from yeah like, for me I had a really hard pregnancy with Sawyer and I'm pretty convinced it's because I wasn't that healthy going into it but I know that's like arguable because some women eat McDonald's all day and have yeah so I think it is arguable because I've seen it go like so many different ways. Um, of course I use certain tools, herbs, like other things, um, acupuncture, like body work, but I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think it is like also a constitutional thing. Like there's so many factors to it. Um, yeah, you never know. Like I could have another pregnancy and it could be difficult. It's just like, sometimes there are, there's more to it than just the physical layer and of course providing your body with physical support is a good thing to do generally speaking Mm -hmm. um so yeah I'm I'm curious to hear about your experience I know that's like not what this episode is about but I think also when we get into the that kind of territory we're also talking about the baby too it's like the energetics of the baby and how does that, how is that expressing itself through the pregnancy as well? Um, so it's, yeah, there's lots of factors to consider when you're like considering how a woman is feeling through her pregnancy. I think I literally just worked the entire time and like, didn't like walk in the woods. Yeah. And so that's probably a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it doesn't feel like that mysterious. Why? I got so rocked it, but I, you know, I only have my sample size of two pregnancies, which is like very, very small <laughs> yeah. of what I did differently between the two anyway. Okay. So anything else you want to share about, about the pregnancy before we get into your birth and, and, and also anything about like what it feels like to prepare to have a third child in your mm, life, yeah. home, you know, being a woman who works and runs a business and just that feels Yeah. That feels relevant. I, I remember at times I was kind of like, I'm not giving this baby enough attention or 
um, feeling like I wasn't doing enough to prepare. And I would kind of have to stop myself and, and remind myself that, that this is just like a very normal part of life. And I don't, this baby is already with me, like is me in a way. So I don't have to do something specific all the time to connect with the baby or even, you know, even prepare for birth. Like I did not really do that much at all to prepare this time. Like besides getting a few things together and like talking to my kids about what was going to happen. What's there even to do? Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, what are, like, I don't know, what should I be doing? Um, nothing. Yeah. Like, so that was, <laughs> I remember in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, like very pregnant, like at the end, turning to Johnny and going, oh, we haven't discussed the birth at all. <laughs> should we do anything? And he was like, like what? I was like, I have no idea. I can't <laughs> one thing I should do to prepare. We just laughed about it. Like, oh, that's yeah. different. Yeah, it is. It is. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was the same, like with my husband, because it was our second free birth together and third birth together. So he was just like, he's like, yeah, just, you know, I'll take off work when the baby comes. And like, that's all I need to know. (laughs) Yeah, totally. So, so yeah, the preparation, part of the preparation was moving to be like closer to my family and have a little more infrastructure around us. And that's been really nice because my older two have had like a lot more support um, than than we probably would have had in California. So just like a lot more adults around to take them places or take that, you know, for them to go to their house. And I feel like that was probably a big factor that just made it a little more easy in regards to the postpartum time was that I knew there were going to be people around to take care of the older two and like go do fun things with them when I was resting with the baby. Who all do you have? Just your parents or are there siblings too? Or I have two brothers here, um, both my parents and both my parents are sort of remarried. So it's kind of like two sets of grandparents in one place. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And lots of, yeah, cousins, like other aunts, uncles. So pretty, my family's like pretty central here in the Midwest. Um, So yeah, that part has been definitely helpful. Mm -hmm. And that was like an easy way to prepare. It's just like, well, we can, we'll be closer to family. And that is like in itself preparation. Mm -hmm. But yeah, as far as like preparing myself for three I think I went through such a deep initiation going from one to two that I was like, I just know it can't be that intense again, (laughs) having like a two-year-old and a newborn. So like, it's fine. Like, yeah, I'm like, it's going to be just fine. Um, And it was, it was a lot easier than going from one to two Hmm. for sure. For us, I know everyone's different, but yeah. Yeah. That's really intense. Okay. So tell us your birth story. Yeah. So um, this was my longest pregnancy. Still not super long, less than 41 weeks. But um, yeah, it was just like, like all of my births kind of begin with this like fading in and out of like, is it happening? Is it not? Um really around like 37 weeks, I start to get like 
useful or powerful, you could say, birth sensations, like contractions that are like very sporadic, just occasionally every, you know, once a day or even once every few days. And that happened with all three of your kids? Yeah, it happened with all three. And so that starts around 37 weeks. And then it's like a few weeks of kind of that, just occasionally feeling like, oh yeah, something is happening. Um, but my method, my sort of way of, of that, of, of moving through that is just like, I won't say ignoring it, but also just like not making it mean anything. Right. It's just like, okay, that's what's happening now. And yeah, so that went on. I remember there, uh, like, there is kind of a funny part of the story is I was around 37 or 38 weeks and like, we went and we had just moved and it was like super hot. And I was like trying to get the kids outside and we went on this very short hike and it was like, oh my God, we were dying of heat (laughs) and I was sweating and all this stuff. And I got like all these bites and I don't know if it was like from ticks or oak mites or whatever, but it was the most intense, like itching experience I've ever been through. I'm like 38 weeks pregnant. I have like this huge (laughs) belly. I'm like, have hundreds of little welts on me. I don't know if I had an allergic reaction to the bites or whatever, but that really like took me under for a bit that like for a week, I was just like, I just do not want to go into, into labor while I'm like feeling like this. Like I wasn't able to sleep that well. I was like putting cold or like frozen bacon packs, like packs of frozen bacon on my body at night because like I couldn't get away from the itch. Oh my God. Was it on just your legs? It was everywhere, Emily. It was like on my belly, on my arms, my legs, my oh head. Oh my God. I wonder everywhere. what they were. A lot of people here were like, they're oak mites, they're oak mites. I'm like, I don't know, whatever. Like, I just want them to go away. Um, so that was pretty intense. That's really intense. And after that, I was like, I'm done. Like I'm staying at home. <laughs> yeah. And so after that, I kind of really claimed the nest and um, was home a lot and just around our new house and getting kind of f- getting this place to feel like nice and warm and inviting. And yeah, so that was like the last few weeks of pregnancy, pretty uneventful. Um, and then I hit 40 weeks and I was like, okay, still pregnant. All right. And I think all of mine have been born just after 40 weeks, like 40 and two or 40 and three, something like that. So I kind of knew like, it's probably coming soon. Um, and yeah, I woke up one morning and my son was going to forest school. And so I took him and dropped him off. And I was like, super annoyed because he didn't want to stay. And I was like, and so I walk him up this like big hill where there's like this little fire pit and he wanted me to stay with him for a while. So I did. And I had my daughter with me too. And, um, they do this little sit spot meditation thing. So I stayed with him for that. And so I'm like climbing on these rocks and I'm like, man, I am like kind of tired today and just like not feeling this. And, um, eventually we separated and he was fine. And I took my daughter home and I just felt weird. You know, I just felt like I'm not really here. Um, but I like woke up still pregnant. Like, I don't know what's going on. And so I was like, I should probably just eat something. I just had this feeling that I should eat. And so 
And I wasn't necessarily hungry, but I made something to eat for my daughter and I, and we took it outside and sat like in our backyard. And then, does your started... husband, sorry, does your no, husband okay. work outside of the home? No, he works from home. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So that's nice. He's working, doing his thing. And, um, my daughter and I are just hanging out and I'm like, you know, I'm kind of feeling like some sensations here and there. I'm going to let her watch some TV and I'm going to just lay down and like chill. And so we did that. And I started to just really like, it was such a nice day out. And I just laid under this tree for like the longest time. And, um, it was like, before I had kind of told my husband, Hey, I think things might be happening. And I was just like totally on my own, kind of in my own little world. And, but I felt like, okay, it's getting a little more regular, like something's happening. And it was kind of that like sweet feeling of the beginning of labor where it's like, oh, I'm so thrilled that I get to do this again. And this is so easy. And I'm just like, oh, it feels so good. And I'm just like totally in it in, in that, like, I can feel the sun and like, there's a nice breeze and I just felt really good. And so then eventually I had to get up to go to the bathroom or something. And I went in and I was like, oh, I have some bloody show. Okay. Like it's probably, you know, let my husband know. And then I just had this, like, I was, I had this feeling and at this time it's like 1 PM, right. It's like one in the afternoon. And I, I had this like flash of inside. I was like, the baby's going to be here at five. Whoa. And I was like, I was like, well, that's like in four hours. Oh my God. And so I, I was like, okay, I was kind of trying to calculate it in my head because my husband had to leave to go pick up our son. And I was like, he should probably just go get him now because I don't know how I'll be feeling in a couple of hours from now. So I talked to him and he's like, yeah, I'll you're go. Gonna, you're going to be postpartum in a couple of hours. <laughs> Yeah. So I talked to my husband and he's like, all right, yeah, let me finish up this work and then I'll go. He's like, it seemed, you know, seems like not urgent. And did you tell him the five o'clock deadline? I didn't, I didn't (laughs) tell him that. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, it doesn't feel urgent right now. (laughs) So anyways, I just went to lay back down and I was like, kind of, you know, I was floating away anyway. So I was just like, okay, yeah, everything seems fine. And so then he left at like two or two 30 And by that time I'm like, okay, like I'm, I'm in it. Like, it's good, but I'm like getting, it's getting a little more, you know, intense. And I was, I was alone then with my daughter who's three and like, she, she knew what was going on. Um, and we were fine, but it was like, he was gone for like 45 minutes probably to like go there, pick up my son and bring him home. And, um, then he's on his way. So he's on his way home. And I'm like, I need lemonade. <laughs> so he had to stop and get lemonade. I was, and, and I was like, hurry, because at that point it was getting a little more intense. So it's like 3 PM now. It's like, hurry to get this frivolous thing that I definitely need <laughs> hurry because your baby's coming. Yeah. That's exactly what it was like. That's amazing. So he did get the lemonade. My daughter started kind of losing it on me. Oh no. Well, I mean, we were there together and like, it was getting to the point where I wasn't really talking during the sensations. And I was kind of starting the whole like lean forward or being on all fours sort of situation. 
and I was inside with her. She needed something like she needed me to help her with the potty or go to the bathroom or something. And I couldn't do it. Like I physically couldn't do it in that moment. So she started crying and then I'm like, okay, we're just going to be here. Like I'm doing this. You're crying. My husband, Thomas will be here soon. Like it's all good. So my husband came home. We all had some lemonade and that seemed to kind of smooth things over. And then I sort of retreated. Well, I had the thought, I was like, oh, it was so nice to lay outside. And I already had like had this whole setup outside. Like I had a blanket and like all these pillows. And I was like, I'm going to go back out there. And then I like took a couple steps and I was like, kind of, you know, had another big sensation and I just hit the floor instead. And I was like, probably not going to make it out there again. Yeah. I'll come out with the baby in a couple of days. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So at that point I retreated and went to my bedroom and I was like, this is where I'm going to be. And, um, yeah. So then my husband was kind of getting the, uh, the kids settled. And at that point I was like, okay, I'm staying with it. But like, this just got really intense. And it was like three 30. And, um, so then my husband is coming back in with me and he's kind of trying to navigate taking care of the kids and being with me. And he was like, I think we should call your mom to come be with the older two. And I was like, great. I'm totally down with that. It was not something we had like discussed before or anything. Um, but I was like, yeah, that sounds like totally reasonable thing to do. And we had, now I'm remembering we had just gone the day before with my mom to like a big pumpkin patch. And so my kids had all these pumpkins. <laughs> and so my mom was like, oh, cool. I'll bring over paint and like we can carve and paint the pumpkins. And I was like, perfect. So my mom came over and that was a big relief because then Thomas was able to just stay with me. Yeah. And that was something that was a little bit different about this birth compared to my second birth. So when I birthed my daughter, I really preferred mostly to be alone. Like I was just kind of doing my own thing and I was okay with my husband being a little more in the background or separate from me. And with this birth, at least the last hour or so, I really wanted him close by and we couldn't just, obviously we would have been more challenging to just have my kids being kind of wherever in the house. So that was really nice. We had my mom there. We both felt like really settled in our bedroom and, um, my husband started filling the tub up and he was like, just getting some towels and stuff like that and being, you know, supporting me. And I was kind of on the bed on our bed. And then sometimes I would walk to the bathroom and then I would come back. I did a lot of, a lot of moving around, a lot of walking or bending forward um, and taking it, like having the, having the sensations, like come over me while standing, but like leaning forward. I don't know. That seemed to really work for me this time. And I hit like a point where I was like, okay, I'm with it, but like, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) You know, I'm like, I'd like to not be (laughs) Like this is really intense and I knew it was going to be this intense. And like, now I'm ready for the baby to come out. Yeah. (laughs) And like, I could feel him moving and, um, 
it just felt like something clicked or like not literally clicked, but like, it just felt like he moved. And then it was like, okay, he's going to come out now. Um, and so my husband's like, do you want to get in the tub? It's ready. And I could see it. I was like standing in the doorway facing our bathtub, which is like a corner tub and it's huge. And it's like lovely. And I was like, I can't even walk like three steps to get there, let alone lift my leg up 10 miles away. (laughs) Yeah. I like lift my leg up over the edge of the tub. Like this is a hundred percent not happening. Um, so I just went and laid back down and, (laughs) and stared at it. Yeah. And I was just like, no, like I'm not getting in there. So I don't know. It was, it was, it was interesting. That was my first birth, not in water. Mm. And it was like, totally fine but it took my husband by surprise and he was like that was sort of his he was like oh so you're not going to do that but the bed was also not in any condition to have my waters like release all over it and all of that so we got some sheets and stuff and he on one of my trips to the bathroom he just like put down as much extra things as we had basically like we had a mattress protector on. yeah it's like we had the mattress protector on but like not you know not for like full waters releasing on them mm-hmm. anyways that is what happened so I lay back on the bed and I'm I kind of ended up laying on my on my right side but like propped up so and then I was I was feeling like, okay, I'm starting to push. Like this is moving in the right direction. But are you um, like chill? Like, yeah, I put, I was pretty chill. Like chill as you would perceive externally. <laughs> I mean, internally, I feel like I was also pretty chill. Um, I, or I was pretty like, like, okay, like this is what's happening. I've got it. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't freaking out in any moment. Um, or I wasn't like thinking I couldn't do it. Or, um, I just had these moments of like being like, Whoa, this is like a lot. And like, I'm glad it's going to be over soon. (laughs) Okay. I would say that's pretty chill. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. But you know, it's like, I could feel that the baby was going to come out and and I didn't realize how quickly that would happen. Wow. Right. But I knew it was it like, I knew when I felt that rotation or whatever he was doing, I was like, okay, like he is in a, basically like a straight shot out. <laughs> how would you describe at this point, the sensations, like what level of pain or intensity how would you describe it? How would I describe it? I mean, that's such an interesting question because it's like, it's, it's so like for me, at least birthing sensations or contractions are like so unique in how they feel compared to just like something you feel outside of that space. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so I would say like they were all consuming and but I, I didn't feel like, oh, they're ripping my body apart or, um, I just felt like it was a lot of, of power moving through my body. And, um, I did need reminders to sort of 
well, no, I won't even say that because what I was doing to cope with it or sort of move through it and with it was I was grabbing my husband's hand and sort of asking him to pull against me. So I had some sort of like way to counter what I felt was going down. Like I felt like all this like downward pushing energy and I wanted something to sort of feel like I could anchor myself against it. And so that's, that's sort of how I got through the last 20 minutes or so. Um, yeah. So once the, for me, once the pushing phase happens, like I feel a lot of relief generally because I feel like there's something happening. Like there's, I mean, there's something happening the whole time, but like once I actually feel the descent and start to feel like, okay, I know the baby is likely going to come out soon. That provides me with like a little second wind or, you know, some, some energy to get through that particular phase. I just like it more, I think too. I just like it more than like the kind of dealing. Yeah. Like you're just trying to like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get through this next one. And then like, there's going to be another one. Um, the pushing feels like a lot more intentional in some ways. So I'm on my side, my husband's got my hand and I'm sort of giving myself counter pressure at this point. Um, because just intuitively, not for any particular reason, actually, just because that's what I was doing. Um, (laughs) and I really wanted a hot washcloth. And I also did not say, I thought you were going to say, what, what did you think I was going to say? You really wanted a hot dog. <laughs> I mean, that would be really funny. No, oh, I did not want a hot dog. Just like heard you finish it saying hot dog. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> no, I actually didn't really eat at all during this labor, but it was only like three hours. So what can you say? Yeah, for what can real. You Is it total um, three hours? That's what that was? No, I mean, I would say it started at like noon and he was born at 509. So, but like the only intense part was like from three to five. Wow. Okay. So you say I need a hot dog. I need a hot dog. I was like, I really want a hot washcloth, but like, you cannot leave me. And so I asked him to text my mom. (laughs) So he's like, and my mom is like, is, um, she's really cool. And she like totally respect my boundaries and we had closed the door. So there's like no way she was coming in without like, without us asking. So he texts my mom. I'm like, just have her bring it. And I had like one more sensation and I was like, Oh, you know, I could feel the ring of fire. So I knew like baby's coming out basically now. Um, so yeah, I remember feeling like, okay, I'm just gonna like try to breathe into this a little bit. And I was giving myself the counter pressure. And then by the time my mom walked, like my mom walked in the door with the hot washcloth and his head was born at the same time, basically, which was really sweet. Like she got to see it. And, um, that was actually really a sweet part of the birth because my, of course, behind her came my two other kids and (laughs) my daughter and my son saw that the head was out and 
um, my son just kind of looked and was kind of hanging in the background. My daughter, she's like a little more expressive and she, she goes, oh my God, the head's going to pop right out at me. And then she like ran out of the room and that's just like her, her personality. She's kind of a firecracker, but so that was really like, I was almost laughing at that point because she had said that. And then of course his body just like slid right out onto the bed after that. Oh, so your mom and your son stayed for that. Yeah. So, and, and my daughter came right back in and um, was really excited about the whole process. So then, yeah, he was out and he just kind of slid right out onto the bed and, um, I picked him up and he had kind of cried even before I picked him up. So I was, had like I wasn't really concerned about his state or how he was doing. And yeah, I just held him and stayed in bed for a while. And he latched right away from what I recall. And then it was my husband who was like, you should probably get the placenta out. And I was like, oh yeah, that's a good, good plan. Um, but yeah, I had started to have some after pains and I was like, yeah, I think the placenta is ready to come out. So get the, we got the bowl and, um, this was like maybe 15, 20 minutes after he was born. We're just chilling in bed. And, um, I wanted to get up sort of more upright to, to take care of the placenta. And it took me like a couple different tries. So uh, I like tried to sit on the edge of the bed and that wasn't really working and he had a long enough cord. So that wasn't really an issue. Um, but I was just having trouble getting in the right position. So we tried a couple different, th- or I tried a couple different things. And then it was, again, my husband was like, you did it like this last time. And I, the way I did it last time was like, I kind of, um, kneeled next to the bed, one knee down one foot up and then had the bowl right underneath me. And then it came like, came out really easily. So that felt really good. And while I was doing the placenta or taking care of that, uh, my husband kind of got all the wet sheets off the bed and changed the bed for us. And I cleaned up a little bit and yeah, then we got back into bed together and my mom got us some, like, we had just made a big like dinner the night before. So she could, she reheated some food for me, which was really nice. And she made cake Mm -hmm. and my kids got to come meet the baby or hang out like a little bit more. And yeah, it was like all before bedtime. We got all the day's work. Yeah. (laughs) He was born Mm -hmm. just past five. Yeah. So he was born at five Oh nine. What a trip. Yeah. It was just so sweet. Like, yeah, you know, it's around your mom in the kitchen, baking the cake. Yeah. It was really sweet. And it was like such a beautiful day outside. And like all my kids have been born on like really nice sunny days, which is, yeah, just something that I always recall. Um, but yeah, it was just a sweet birth, like so simple and intense at times of course like if you have a two hour basically birth birth, like it's a lot for your body to move through in in that amount of time 
but I will say he was also smaller than my last baby. So it did feel easier in some ways. Like I, I pushed a little bit long, like the pushing phase with my second birth was longer, but my daughter was like a pound bigger than this baby. So tell me about postpartum and what, what is that like for you as a mother of three and how do you, how do you as a mother of three and an entrepreneur and, you know, all of this stuff manage the, um, maybe manage is the wrong word, like cultivate the principles of postpartum that we Mm. know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. Well, um, of course, like my husband took time off work, which was really helpful. And then, um, I had both my parents here helping with the older kids. So helping with the older two, um, cause we're homeschooling primarily. So they're not in school or anything. So they would, they had a lot of like fun things planned for them to do. So they were out of the house a lot in those first weeks And then I had, um, also had a older, uh, like a friend that I had known in this area where I just returned to, cause I, I don't have a big community where I live since I just moved, but I grew up here. So I have some friends that are are sort of like from a different time of my life, we could say. Um, but I had one good friend who was, who was, um, able to come like once a week, help out, like do kind of postpartum doula type of care. And then I also hired a postpartum doula who did like body work and food prep. And, um, we had a meal train and yeah, I mean, I think being like my third time to move through it, I have a lot of the tools just already with me. So whether that's like having my steam chair for vaginal steaming, or I do moxibustion. So I have all those things already just around the house. Um, So it's just a matter of like getting them in the same place and like getting my little, my little setup and yeah, just making it a priority. I think that's the hardest part I find working with women. And just what I've seen is like, you can always figure the logistics out. It's just that you have to say like, this time is important and this is what I'm going to do about it essentially. And then you just do it. Right. And so I've actually even returned to work or this is like the earliest of any postpartum time that I've returned to working, but it's felt pretty easeful overall. And I think, um, part of that is just because I took those first six weeks, like really super chill resting, you know, just being with my baby, being at home. And then, um, it does get easier than like it. I do think it like experience matters and right. You move through this a couple of times, like you get the flow of, of, of how postpartum is. And that doesn't mean there can't be challenges. I didn't really have anything come major come up during this postpartum time either. Even um, just like the, the more subtle layers of confidence and you're less likely to trip about small things or stress like this, the, the kind of invisible. Yeah. Of it. it is. It's like the internal piece. Cause it's, you just have more experience with postpartum. You have more experience with newborn infant care or mothering. Um, 
so yeah, it was kind of, it just kind of, I feel like it does get easier in, in some ways, of course it gets more complex as right. you have more relationships between children and integrating all of, all of those things. But, uh, yeah, it was overall, like, it's just a big priority for me to take the, that initial resting period. And I kind of let people know about that. I mean, for my husband, he totally is on board. He understands why it's important. And then we just organize our lives around that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're the heartbeat of your entire household. Yeah. Right. So how does this all tie in to your incredible program and offering to the world, the Blood Mystery School? Yeah. Yeah. So Nancy and I have come together to create the Blood Mystery School. And I feel like it, you know, it's the full spectrum of what I kind of the trajectory I went through to arrive at the choice of free birth, right? It's like, and it wasn't even, it's like just, I mean, of course it's an act of choice and it's just what makes the most sense given the context of the way I live my life and the way that I, the relationship that I've cultivated with my body over time, right? Mm -hmm. So I think like one of my wishes and desires for the program and for sharing this information is that I think if women do have the opportunity to start to heal some of these uh, womb, we could say health issues or um, being disconnected just from womanhood in general, if you start to heal this prior to your conception time, then I do think you have a more easeful transition into motherhood and you're already like, you're already, like I had mentioned before, you're sort of already getting yourself out of that medical model matrix. So, um, I know Emily, you work with a lot of women who are navigating that process, right. Navigating that process of realizing that obstetrical care or, um, standardized prenatal care is like not what a lot of women want or is not what actually facilitates a normal pregnancy at all. So if you're already outside of that system, then it's like, it just makes sense. It just like free birth just makes sense because you already trust the process of what your body well, is doing. Like, yeah. It's like the word that I feel like encompasses this is embodiment. Like when you are- yeah whole and embodied you are um you are generating your own sense of safety and power and security and approval you know all of this um like is required for real wholeness and when you are whole you are not at risk for outsourcing in the same way that we're you know groomed to exactly yeah yeah and so it's not really about free birth. It's like a free life. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, it is about free birth and yeah. it's not, it's like bigger yeah. than that too. Right. It's like so this, being, what is this school? What does this school do for women that want that too? I think it's like the fundamental education that Nancy and I and other women who have taken the school already kind of wish that we had to 
start our reproductive life as young girls, right? It's like, if we could have had this information when you're 13, 14, and understood how the cycle works, understand like the different hormonal rhythms, um, you just enter into your reproductive life or enter into con conscious conception or conscious contraception in a, with a much different frame of reference. So essentially it's going to, it frees you from the tools of the allopathic model. Right. So, I mean, so countless women are still using hormonal birth control or opting for pain medication or surgeries. Um, and there we're here to say like, there is a different way and you can actually opt to not use those particular models of care and, and be healthier for it. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know so, if that's obvious. Like, I feel like, I'll, I don't know that that is, you know, that, that might be like a stretch to believe, you know, that you were having such debilitating. I mean, I know it's true, but like that you were having debilitating cycles and then you cleaned up your life, figured yourself out, did healing. And now, you know, have, have totally functional cycles. Like, yeah, women just really need to hear the possibility of what happens, like you said, when you put those, when you put those models down and get into what else is out there and what's way older and more wise and, and, you know, in our, in our ancestry way before allopathy, um, that really is a roadmap to health and women's health and sovereignty, right? Like all together, it's just really, it's exciting. It's exciting to see what the women have done with this program beyond, you know, getting this because getting the fundamentals from you both, because you add the spiritual side to it, you add a very scientific approach. There's, there's all of this, um, you know, alchemizing in this program and the majority of women that are taking it, it seems like already work in women's work. And so they're using this education to fill in a lot of the gaps that other programs mm -hmm. offer. Yeah. So a lot of the women who have come through the program, we had a great first round. Um, and like just so many powerful women in the container with us and yeah, for a variety, like they are in, in, in there with us for a variety of reasons. Some are birth workers or radical birth keepers who are sort of adding additional support to women that they work with throughout their reproductive life. And then of course there are women who are on their own personal healing journey around like really wanting to fertility support or to heal endometriosis or PCOS and, um, want to attend to that in a more holistic way. And then, yeah, we have also women who are approaching it more from maybe they have some of the basics, like what you were talking to, like they have some of the basics there, but they want to take their teaching or, um, facilitation practice sort of to that next level. And so that would, be a that like this program would be like a perfect fit for them as well because we're providing you with a lot of the foundational stuff and then I get into like all the details around hormones healing very specific or challenging period issues um and even getting into like fertility outside of the model of assisted reproductive technology or you know something yeah, like so that which is also like a whole other realm but it's it's one that's like becoming more and more 
of an issue. And I feel like women do want alternatives to like, yeah, the model of care there is just really extreme. It's so extreme and not, um, like accurate, you know, like how, well, it's, yeah, it's just like, well, yeah, there's like that whole thing, like just getting the infertility label right away. Right. And then immediately you go to hormone treatment to sort of manipulate the body to respond in a particular way. It's just like, so against our physiology, uh, as to what we're actually capable of and given the right context, like so much healing is possible. And even the most challenging fertility issues, like I've seen resolve. So, um, yeah, I hope that women who are listening will really understand that with some of this foundational knowledge, like with this level of understanding around the hormonal side, while also addressing the spiritual and energetic pieces that not only can you have so much healing potential for yourself, but you'll be able to offer so much to your community. Yeah. It's so needed. I'll never forget a long time ago being in, in my LA social group and I was sitting around and I think I had left LA and then had come back and was now pregnant. That's what it was. And I was sitting with a bunch of women who didn't have children yet. And I was telling them how I used fam to mm-hmm. prevent pregnancy for, for how, for many, many years. And then how I used it to create pregnancy. And all of them were smart, you know, smart women. And none of them had ever heard anything about it. None of them had ever heard about some real, you know, what now to us is like very, very basic understandings of our body. Um, And I'll never forget it because it was a long time ago. And yeah, I guess I was newly pregnant. So it was like, you know, almost six years ago and being so shocked at how, at what a lack of basic knowledge of our body and the lie that our uterus is so mysterious and unpredictable that we should be afraid of it, Mm -hmm. right? Like as if pregnancy can happen at any time, as if, you know, PCOS is out of nowhere, as if the only answer to, you know, endo is to get rid of your uterus, like these extreme, you know, totally ignorant and inaccurate um, belief structures are what, um, are what many, many, many wonderful, brilliant women are still swimming in. And they don't have, um, not just, not just the foundational knowledge, but, but what I'm speaking to is the women listening is like, you're, you're that bridge. Like you learn this stuff, whether it's from this program or somewhere else, learn that stuff. If you're drawn to yeah. it so that you're the one sitting in those groups going, oh yeah, no, this is like how you do it. And, da, 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 and you change those women's lives. And then that's yeah. how this happens. And that's the ripple effect. Um, so that we can get off pharmaceuticals and, and our whole, you know, just like the whole addiction to the the allopathic models out of control. Yeah. Yeah. It is like an important thing to note, like that some of these things, they aren't hard to learn, right? It's not that it's like, it doesn't, it's, 
it's not super complex, but you do have to, you know, put the time in to do it. And it's ideal to do it in the company of other women who have experience doing it <laughs> because yeah, exactly. then it makes it fun and easy. And, um, yeah, well, that's we the definitely... benefit of a, of a program is you to have done all of the work to consolidate it into a program that women get to just participate in and not that it's not work to learn, but I mean, that's, that's, what's so exciting about this. Is yeah. Created the, the body, you know, to, yeah. To... Yeah. So it's not like, obviously you can learn lots of things just by reading books and doing all kinds of other self discovery. Um, but what we've created, I feel like is really unique and, and just the way that we've brought things together and, um, not really not left anything out as far as like spiritual and energetic and physical and embodiment. And, um, also like a really great part of the experience that I think Nancy and I really kind of felt through the program was just the relationships that the women create with each other and like how, how important that is, as you know, like when we talk about, um, circle and, or coming and being in live events together, like the festival and such, um, it's the relationships that you build with other women that sort of start to transform your life. And yeah, I mean, that is, that's also like a really essential part of the program. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Well, anything else you want to share before we wrap? Um, I would just say that for, yeah, for my birth and pregnancy experiences, it's been such a joy to experience a part of my body and system that once felt like so much pain and heaviness. And now to see how that's been alchemized and transformed into something that just brings my life, like so much ease and grace. And then obviously my children, like were born from that as well. And that definitely like gives me a lot of strength. And I just like, hold on to that possibility and want to provide that hope for other women as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautifully said. All right. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Emily. And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one -on -one and group coaching, learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise. And the revolution starts inside each of us. I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. Beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design.
I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension. I will fly and bring her back from the stars. Conscious.